0: Welcome to the Lockdown Minnesota Twins Podcast. Today is Monday, May 18th, and I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. I'm back with you today after the weekend. Last week was a really fun week on the show. We had Jared Diamond from the Wall Street Journal. Journal author of Swing Kings with Doe Young Park. He's the uh, Twins writer, Twins reporter at MLB.com. Jeremy Frank, big stats guy as well. And then on Friday, Josh Neighbors, my friend and the host of Lockdown Nationals, to talk about the economics of the game. Uh, really a wide range of views last week and wide range of topics. Uh, the main focus, I would say, would be on baseball's return. And we're going to talk more about that today because uh, over the weekend, we heard about this 80-page document, or Rosenthal and Evan Drellich are reporting that it's a 67-page document, and we have the details. They've been leaked to The Athletic and to Jeff Passan as well at ESPN, so we have the details of this uh, proposal for the health and safety measures that Major League Baseball is looking to take to protect their players for a return to play. This week, though, for guests today, it's going to be just me. Um, I'm trying to remember what days, who's on what day but we have Betsy Hellfan, yeah Betsy Helfand tomorrow uh, she writes for the Twins at the Pioneer Press she had an article over the weekend about Rich Hill really exciting and encouraging news about his recovery from his elbow surgery uh, we have Robert Murray who's an MLB insider at the score and then we have Andy McCullough who's a uh, senior writer at the athletic also covers the Dodgers I believe. Um, and knows a lot about Kenta Maeda and Rich Hill, especially because he's done a lot of stories on Rich Hill. So we're gonna we're definitely going to talk about Rich Hill this week, the Twins starter, and, and kind of where he fits in the plans if this season does get underway in early July. I also want to talk about my article that was posted at Twins Daily on Friday. It was five Twins over-unders for a shortened 82-game season. That's what they're saying, 82 games. Right now, as it stands... Major League Baseball has sent this document to the Major League Baseball Players Association. Uh, Per reports, they haven't talked about economics yet. That seems to be something they're putting on the back burner as they figure out these health and safety measures first. A lot of speculation about these measures, a lot of comments. You know, some thought it was encouraging that the league was taking such a thorough and extensive approach to the health and safety of the players. Others thought it was really daunting and overwhelming, and I think there was a large majority who thought it was both encouraging and daunting. Let's take a look at what a season might look like with these health and safety measures. Really odd things that, I mean, I don't think we should be surprised about a lot of these because it makes sense. It does, but it is a lot. It's going to be baseball like we've never seen before, sports like we've never seen before. I think the thing that really stuck with me that's going to be weird is all players that are not on the field and all personnel in the dugout will wear masks. So we're going to see Rocco Baldelli with a mask on in the dugout You know, we know he's got a crazy beard going during quarantine season. So, um, you know, maybe he's just going to cover that up and not shave at all, and just let it go with a mask on. But that was that's pretty weird. Uh, They they do have a diagram in the athletic. If you haven't read this article from Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich, I I definitely recommend it. They have a diagram of where players are going to sit. Some of them are going to be above the dugout, which is just wild. Um, So they did a really good job of separating this into multiple parts. We talked to Jared Diamond, like I said, about testing. He told us on Lockdown Twins about the plan for testing shortly after he he wrote his article at the Wall Street Journal. And then that night, Rob Manfred was on CNN and announced that the same thing, that Major League Baseball has an arrangement with a facility in Utah that usually makes their PED tests. And Diamond told us and let us in on some inside information that They are turning that facility into a COVID-19 testing facility to make tests for the players. The players are going to be tested, uh, in in Jared's words, not every day but multiple times per week for coronavirus. And they are 24-hour turnaround tests. Um, Some tests will be used, the instant tests will be used, but they don't have the capacity to do that immediately with the players. Maybe as the summer wanes on, that will become more accessible. Let's look at what spring training might look like because that's only a couple weeks away. If if they're going to go back on June 10th, uh, we're really, really close. It's May 18th today, so that's two, three weeks away uh, from spring training here. Limited to 50 players per club. You know, players are going to be tested when they get there to spring training. And, you know, of course, the facilities are going to be restricted to limited groups of essential personnel. uh, And the group workouts are going to be separated at different times. Uh, Minimum standards for cleaning and disinfecting, of course. These are just some of the small things. um, But spring training is going to look different, too. Here's a big thing for ball players. No spitting. No using smokeless tobacco or sunflower seeds in restricted areas. That includes the dugout. Uh, that also includes the field. No spitting on the field. Any physical interactions such as high fives, fist bumps, and hugs must be avoided at club facilities. That is... Really, really interesting. When a guy hits a home run, he comes in the clubhouse or comes in the dugout. I mean, and, and high fives everyone. That is going to be taboo this season. And um, you know, our question we should be asking ourselves is, is this: the, is this worth it for the players? And that's something that they're going to have to decide here in the next couple of days and in the next week or two. Is are all of these measures worth a season? Is it worth my salary? There are going to be players who say yes. There are going to be players who are skeptical that it's worth it at all, especially players who have underlying health conditions or have family that have underlying health conditions. So That's what the players are going to have to ask themselves. Uh, We can't really speculate on whether we think it's going to be worth it for them or not, but the league also says that players who do have those underlying health conditions will be Uh, Allowed to not play if if they don't feel healthy or safe or ready to play. Um, But there is some, you know, it's arbitrary. What if a player doesn't have underlying health conditions but doesn't want to play? Does he get paid? Is his salary voided? Is his contract voided? All these questions that'll, that'll come up in these discussions, in these negotiations in the next few days. But, I mean, some of these things, no showering. Showering will be discouraged at club facilities. There, there's some wordplay in here. Discouraged is different from prohibited. Uh, there are some things that are prohibited. There are some things that are discouraged. So, you would think that that would leave some leeway for the MLBPA to say, okay, we need we need our guys to shower. Um, can we come up with some rules that maybe only, you know, this guy can shower at this time, this guy can shower at this time where the players can shower at the team facility after the game. I think there's going to be leeway there, but it certainly is really, really interesting. Indoor batting cages discouraged when hitting outdoors is an option. Hitters are encouraged to use batting gloves. Uh, I think Matt Carpenter is like the only player in baseball who doesn't wear batting gloves and batting practice pitchers are encouraged to wear masks. So I think my point of view is I've always known that this was going to happen this way, that, that, there were going to be huge precautions taken because MLB has to. They have to. You have to take these measures. You have to assure the players that they're going to be safe, and this goes really, really far. Uh, Dugout phones are going to be disinfected after each use. Group dining is discouraged. Buffet and communal food spreads are prohibited. Meals must be distributed in individually packaged containers or bags in takeout form. The use of saunas, steam rooms, hydrotherapy pools, and cryotherapy chambers are prohibited. Uh, they use those to recover from injury or after the game. Those are used. So that's that might be a big thing. And I think John Heyman reported that it is a big thing that players won't be able to use those uh, hydrotherapy pools and, and so on. On-field rules are pending, Rosenthal and Drellich wrote, um, but lineups are going to be put into an application rather than exchanging on cards to limit the touching and the transfer of germs. Uh, when the ball is out of play in between pitches, fielders are encouraged to retreat several steps away from the base runner. I don't, I don't really know uh, what that, how that's going to work because when you have a player holding a runner on first. Uh, They're going to be close, so I don't know how they're going to be able to enforce that. Some of these things you know, are going to impact how the game is played uh, on the field because, like I said, when when you're holding a runner on first, they're going to have to be close. Catchers are permitted to step on the grass toward the mound to give signs if he needs to stand or relay signs to infielders. Like if there's runners on first and third, uh, the catcher will come out to the grass to make his sign so he's not spewing out, I guess, to the the batter or the umpire. Non-playing personnel must wear masks at all times. I mentioned that earlier on. Rocco Baldelli, Wes Johnson, that sounds like they're going to have to wear masks at all times in the dugout. Might be hard to differentiate, but Rocco's always got the glasses on. Um, but, you know, he's a guy who is going to have to fully switch to chewing bubble gum um, and not spinning it. And the mask will stop guys from spinning in the, in the dugout as well. So, um, you know, I don't think they'll have a problem. It's going to be the players on the field. Uh, we've seen in the KBO right after I think Shambi and, and Jess Mendoza were talking about how there's no spinning allowed. There was, a, <laughs> there was a KBO player who spit as they were talking about it. The travel part sounds like the most restrictive from a player's point of view. Cannot use public transfer, transportation like Lyft and Uber. It's discouraged. Uh, there's another word, discouraged. Whenever possible, teams that are flying to smaller airports, okay. Uh, but on the road, the players should essentially isolate at hotels with precautions such as prohibita- pro- prohibition on uh, buffet-style meals in place. Luggage will be sent to directly to the players' rooms to avoid extra touch points. So when we talked about the Arizona hub plan, We talked about this where players are going to essentially be isolated at their hotels, but it sounds like, um, you know, families will be able to be with the players at the hotels. So I think looking at this entire thing, it, it is overwhelming. It is daunting. But from my point of view, it's something that we always knew or at least I have thought about for the last month. That these things are going to happen, and I think watching the KBO help, seeing guys with masks on in the KBO, no fans in the stands, um, I think definitely helped me understand more of what we might see in Major League Baseball. But if there is an 82-game season, what are some over-unders for the Twins? We talked about over-unders a little bit in the offseason, uh, especially when it came to um, you know the Fangraphs projections, the Zips projections, and the uh, Pocota projections. But how about in a shortened season? Uh, how do the you know how are the numbers going to look? How are counting stats going to look? I think rate stats like slugging percentage, on-base percentage, and batting average can certainly be ballooned or severely depressed in a short season uh, because the runway is shorter, and a guy can get really hot for 25 games and and you know hit 380 and then barely come down from there. Um, so I think the the counting stats are going to be a little bit easier to project. Byron Buxton games played 60 and a half. It sounds like Buxton's going to be ready to go come opening day. Uh, He was going to be ready in March per reports, but if he was going to be ready in March, I would think he's going to be close to 100% by a first week of July opening day. That's certainly exciting for the Twins. Uh, It will be interesting to see how Rocco Baldelli rests him because in a normal 162-game season, Rocco probably would have eased Buxton back into play, giving him routine off days throughout the year. How much? How many off days are the guys going to get? Because every game matters that much more. So is Rocco going to be able to rest his guys as much as he usually would like to? Uh, how much is Mitch Garver going to play as opposed to Alex Avila? I think all of these things are good questions and things that Baldelli is going to have to talk about with the front office and with his coaching staff of what is the game plan in a shortened season? How does it differ from an extended 162 game season, more of a marathon. This is a race. Every game matters doubly as much in a season like this. So bullpen moves are going to be more aggressive, or they should be. Uh, you know, playing guys every every day is going to be. They're going to be more aggressive with that, or they should be. Uh, Rocco might struggle with that because he did last year. Um, we saw that. If I were to have a knock on Rocco, is that he wasn't as aggressive in times that he should have been, especially in October. Um, But he's going to have to be aggressive this summer. Nelson Cruz home runs 21 and a half. He homered in 8% of his plate appearances in 2019. I said I have him pegged for like 290 to 320 plate appearances this summer. So that comes right about to like 24, 23, 24. Um, But a little bit of regression because I wrote that Bush Stadium uh, in St. Louis, it suppresses home runs, and now he's gonna be uh, you know, he's gonna have some long flyouts there. So Nelson Cruz home runs, 21 and a half. That should be in the upper like top 15 in the league, I would think, in a season like this. But again, guys can get really hot and uh, you know, go on streaks, and that's what Luis Arise might do. And it's fitting to talk about Arise today because it is his 23rd birthday. I have his batting average over-under at 320. I put 320 and a half, and then my editor changed it on Twins Daily. (laughs) 320 over-under. He might hit 320. Um, But like I said, guys like Luis Arise, who played 92 games last year and hit 334, he's going to play in less games this summer uh, in an 82-game season with some days off. He could hit 350. He could also hit like 225. Because we see what can happen in a sprint like season. Arise could hit 380. You know, he could have an unbelievable season. I had a stat today that I tweeted out on Arise's birthday. Um, He just liked it. He's liking a lot of tweets for his birthday today. That of players with at least 350 plate appearances or more in their rookie season, they were 22 years old or younger. Luis Ariz had the, the highest batting average of the last 50 years in that scenario. Number two is Albert Pujols. Number three is Mike Trout. Those are the top three. Luis Arise, Albert Pujols, Mike Trout for highest batting average in a rookie season under the age of 22. So what we saw from him was historic. It really was. And what we could see again especially in a shortened season, is a ballooned batting average where he makes the most of every at-bat like he does. We could see his on-base percentage hover around like 450. I wouldn't be surprised if these things happen. So that's going to be really fun to watch. I know we were excited for a full season of Luis Rise, but maybe a shortened season of Luis Rise will be even more potent and concentrated. Twins Cy Young Awards. I had Kent to my my Ada Cy Young Awards at 0.5, but once I heard that Rich Hill was coming back, I I switched to Twins Cy Young Awards because uh, I think any of these guys could be the Twins' best starter this summer, and if they win their division, and they're like in first place in the American League. Zips or Fangraphs, uh, Dan Zambrowski, I think is his name, did projections for a shortened season with this schedule where the Twins are playing the Central 15% more and then matched up with the NL Central. The Twins are projected to finish second, second-best record, I think, in all of baseball in the American League. So if that's the case, who's going to be their best pitcher? Is it going to be Kent with his nasty slider and ridiculous strikeout numbers? Is it going to be Rich Hill who's been so good when he's healthy? Well, Jose Barrios in 10-15 to 15 start season – Give us that first half, that Cy Young first half, without the August tail-off. Uh, I think it could be any one of these guys. could be Jake Rizzi, who was just tremendous at the beginning of last year. In May, his ERA was sub-one. Any of these guys could be the Twins' best pitcher. I wouldn't bet on Homer Bailey, but I might bet the over on Twins' Cy Young Awards because I think there's a really good chance that they're in first place and that one of these guys or multiple pitchers uh, really put it together for 10 to 15 starts in a concentrated sample. Mitch Garver, OPS, 88, uh, 888 it is set at. I had 888.5. Last year he was at 995 in 93 games. I do expect some regression. I've said all offseason, though, that his approach, his approach of laying off pitches outside of the zone and crushing pitches in the zone, very simple formula, but he does it so well. And we saw from Mitch Garver last year that he's another guy who's going to give you great at-bats, and I certainly trust him at the plate. 9.95 OPS from your catcher, though, is going to be hard to repeat, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did it. 8.88 OPS from Mitch Garver. I'll take the over, and I like these numbers. Thanks for listening today. Again, great guest this week tomorrow. Betsy Helfand from the Pioneer Press going to tell us more about Rich Hill. Going to talk about her experience leaving Fort Myers and in Fort Myers with uh, Do Young Park, who we had on last week. Um, Wednesday, Robert Murray, MLB insider at The Score. And then Thursday, Andy McCullough, a senior writer at The Athletic. Thanks again for listening. Have a great – actually, I think that's Friday. Sorry. I, I'm going I'm to let you know tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day, and go Twinks.